Take your Bibles out this morning and turn to the book of Judges. We are going to start a new series today, and and it's going to be a little bit different than our last series. We just came off uh, spending about eight weeks or so, and Stacy did an awesome job last Sunday continuing that. I felt like it was a real natural wrap-up to uh, the I Am series where we looked at the seven I Am statements of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I was challenged by that series. I had a lot of fun with that series, and I hope you did as well. That's going to be one that I go back and, uh, and reference and listen to uh, many times. But today, we're starting something that we're going to do for the next three weeks, today and two more weeks. And, um, and we're going to be taking really three topics that we feel like are hot button issues, um, we feel like that are getting really confused in our culture and in church culture right now, and, and we're, we're going to light it up with the gospel. We're going to light it up with the, with the Word of God. Does that, does that sound okay? that sound like a plan? And so today we're going to talk about identity. Today we're going to talk about identity. And, and when I think about identity, I actually think a lot about uh, the passage that Stacy uh, referenced last week, uh, where, where Jesus continues on, I believe it's Matthew 16, and, and looks at Peter and says, and you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. Right? There, weren't, there wasn't a lot of question there for Peter, right, in his mind as to, as to who he was and what God was going to do in and through him, right? And then if you look at the book of Acts and you look at what happens in Peter's life, sure enough, God used Peter in some great ways. But one, one of the things I've noticed in, 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 around in, in our culture and, and different things like that is more than ever, I feel like there are feelings of inadequacy and longing for approval today. And in some cases, I was looking at uh, Barna Research Group this past week, and, and, and one of the articles that they produced said that more than ever, we're facing an identity crisis as a culture. An identity crisis. And so... The goal for us this morning is I feel like we need to lay down our feelings of inadequacy. We need to lay down our longing for approval. And here's what we need to do. We need to take back our identity because the Bible is clear about who we are. But before we do that, we've got to talk about why do we feel so inadequate? Why do we feel so inadequate? And in my research, I found three things. The first one is this, unfair criticism. Unfair criticism. You're never going to amount to anything. Um, maybe you've heard this, uh, or, or maybe you know somebody that's heard this, right? I wish I never had you. The disappointment, right? You disappoint me, or, 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 or the fear of disappointing people. Can't do anything right. Wish you were more like so-and-so, right? I joke about it all the time. I wish I was more like Dylan every day. I mean, just to have the ability to sing like that and to play guitar and to have the cute red hair and the, the beard. I mean, just, I, I'd give anything, Jen. I mean, anyway, okay. You wear that buffalo plaid well too. Okay, um, but the unfair, unfair criticism, right? And just comparison, and we're, we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. The second one that I, f- I feel like we've got to deal with, and, and maybe this might be new to you, unrealistic compliments, Kristen said to me, Kristen said to me the other day, she said, um, I don't trust, I don't trust people that give out a bunch of compliments to me, which is interesting, right? Anybody else agree with that? 
Okay, a couple of you, a couple of you, right? Unrealistic compliments. You're incredible. You're amazing. You're the best at something, right? Because deep down, you know you're not. Deep down, deep down, we have that feeling, right? Many of us battle that feeling like if you really knew me, would you really love me? Um, but there's that pressure. How can I live up to these compliments? This, and, and so then that produces this fear of failure. And then the third one is unwise comparisons. Unwise comparisons. I think we can point the finger at one thing for this right now, and that's social media. Social media, right? Why? Because we see the highlight reel versus the behind the scenes. We see the highlight reel versus the behind the scenes. We see how many followers people have. Can we get to a thousand followers? Can I, you know, get to fifteen? You know, can I, can I get more followers than this person or so on and so forth? The unwise comparison. So this unfair criticism, unrealistic compliments that we can't live up to, and these unwise comparisons lead and have and have definite impact on these feelings of inadequacy and this longing for approval. Also, let's go back to this. If I can add one more in here that I was thinking about yesterday. Time. Time. We talked about this a lot at the marriage retreat. And so I'm not going to share the whole thing with you because um, I'd love for you to come to a marriage retreat sometime and I don't want you to have to hear it twice. Um, But 50 years ago, you know how much time families would spend around the dinner table? You might want to take a guess. 50 years ago, a family around the dinner table. One hour. Four? Oh, okay, so like how, that's how many meals, right? So how, how long, how, how many minutes are you at the table? Any guess for that, Carol? An hour? 90 minutes. 90 minutes around the table 50 years ago. Some of you are like, that sounds absolutely terrible. (laughs) You know what it is today? Less than 12. Less than 12. If you were at my house, I bet it's less than five that we're all at the table together because the little is just... It's funny, whenever you sit down to eat dinner, everybody's got to go potty. I mean, everybody. It's amazing, right? It's amazing. Especially if there's broccoli on the plate. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. But you know, in that 90 minutes, in that 90 minutes, a guy by the name of Reggie Joyner wrote a book on one time called Think Orange. And, it, and, and the whole premise of the book was to how to combine the family and the church, right, for the, for the, for the greater good of the child. It was all about children's ministry and youth ministry and and in that, in that he talked about how parents, parents need to use the table, right, to speak life over their family, to speak care over their family. And, and I can't help but think 50 years ago when you had 90 minutes at the table, right, where you were eating and you were caring for each other, right, that that undoubtedly happened, right? When you have less than 12 minutes, there's not a lot of conversation that's happening there, Right? And so, no doubt that would lead to this longing for approval, this competition, right? And so, and so usually the loudest one, right, gets the attention. And those feelings of inadequacy. So what do we do about that? Judges chapter 6 talks about this. And we're going to start in verse 11. And we're going to go through verse 16. And we're going to pick up kind of in the middle of a dark time for Israel. 
Okay, they're in battle. They're, 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 the Lord's trying to deliver them, um, but it's but it's a little bit of a, a tough time. And we're going to look at the call of Gideon. Now, the angel of the Lord in verse eleven came, and and, and we're going to try to get these words right. Okay, but forgive me. All right, came and sat under Terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the the. Abizurite, thank you. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Okay, verse 12. Got through that one. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Have you ever felt like Gideon there in that moment? Have you ever felt like Gideon there in that moment? I know that God's supposed to be with me, but why then has all of this happened to us? Where are all these wonderful deeds and all these other testimonies that, that people are, are speaking of God and that our fathers recounted to us of faith and all of these things, right? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Verse 14, And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do, I, do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. As one man. And he said to him in verse 17, If I now have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak to me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. I'll stay till you return. I want you to see that there's three things that you need to know about you from this passage. And the first is this. God's view of you is different than you think. God's view of you is different than you think. If you look at verse 12, and the angel of the Lord said to him, appeared to him, and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And yet, here, Gideon, he, he speaks a couple of times like, Who am I? I'm the weakest, I'm the least in the house, right? I'm the weakest, I'm the, I'm the least. And yet, this angel is speaking over Gideon, this mighty man of valor. This mighty man of valor. Look at how God sees and speaks here. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He created us in Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. He created us for good works. You are not, listen to me church, you're not what others say you are. Amen? You're not what others say you are. You're not what others say you are. Uh, and again, Peter, you're Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. God's view of you is different than you think. The second thing I want to point out to you from this passage, God has given you more than you think. God's given you more than you think. God's given you more than you think. See, and, and I believe that we, and I love how Ian puts it, um, when, when he shares about the offering, how much God has blessed us. You know, most of our world lives on less than a dollar a day, 
or about a dollar a day, somewhere around a dollar a day. And so I would, I would say here that, you know, many of us, many of us sitting in the room that are sitting here today and thinking, man, there's so little, there's so little. We need to change a perspective here. We need to change a perspective. I talk to so many people that look at me and say, and, and, and Kristen being one of, her, one of them, I'm so proud of her but, uh, uh, for getting up here this morning. But, you know, I can't believe you get up there and you speak in front of people. I would never have the words to say. Well, flip that. If you, if you look at this, what, what, I'm, what I'm doing up here and what other people do up here and get up here and speak, like Stacy did last week and, 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 and all of that, right? And say, you know what? I could never do that. Chances are you're a good listener. Chances are you're a good listener, right? You have a strength. <laughs> you have a strength that's, that that we may not have there. Or I'm not an upfront person. I'm not an upfront person. I know many of you that aren't upfront person people, and I won't call your name because then you would be an upfront person and you would not like me much right now. Um, but but if you're not an upfront person, that chances are that means you're a behind the scenes servant. Last Sunday when we had our annual meeting, before we left the building, the church was ready for annual meeting. You know why? Because there were about five or six behind-the-scenes servants that just owned it. And, and it's, it's funny. It's amazing how they work, Zach, because it, it, you, you, you rarely see them. You just see their fruit. You rarely see them. You just see their fruit. Uh, we, have, we have folks that come in and clean the building and, and, and a, a few of the folks will come in early morning, like before 8 a.m. And so when I walk in here about 8, 8, 15 in the morning, it just smells like pine saw. And it's like, okay, Mr. Clean is real. Because he came overnight and cleaned this building. And you never see him, but you see their fruit. You never see him, but you see their fruit. Um, you know, maybe... Uh, well, let's keep going. Second Peter chapter uh, 1, verse 3 says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. God's giving you more than you think. Look at verse 14 of Judges chapter 6. And the Lord turned to him and said to him, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? Now listen, what, what the angel is saying here to Gideon, this might of yours, he's saying, listen, God's given you everything to, you need to accomplish the task that you're being called to right now. And that's, and that's the reality that we need to embrace today, church. God has given us everything that we need individually, collectively as a family, collectively as a church body. God has given us everything we need to accomplish the task that He's called us to and that He's put in front of us. God had given Gideon as much as Gideon doubted here. And this isn't, this isn't new. I mean, we saw this in Moses. Right? How many excuses did Moses give God when God was trying to call Moses to lead the Israelites out from under Pharaoh's rule? Right? How many excuses? And yet here Gideon is doing the same thing. Joshua did the same thing. Here Gideon's doing the same thing. And yet, and yet the angel looks at him and says, listen, everything you need to accomplish what we're calling you to has already been given to you. That's why we're calling you. And then the number, and then number three. Number three. So, number one, God's view of you is different than you think. Number two, God has given you more than you think. Number three, and we all need to hear this, it's less about what you think. 
That's comforting, isn't it? <laughs> it's less about what you think. Uh, the, the angel of the Lord is saying, trust me. Again, same thing he said to Moses. I'm with you. Same thing he said to Joshua. I'm with you. My presence is going to go with you. My, my presence is going to go with you. Same thing that he's saying to Gideon today. Same thing that he's saying to us today. In verse 16, and the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. And you shall strike the Midianites as one Man, I will be with you. When God calls you to something, it's less about your power and it's more about His presence. When God calls you to something, it's less, it's less about your power and how strong you are and the gifts you have and the strengths you have. It's more about His presence. The fact that He is with you. And so what does that mean for us? It means we have to step into it. Right? It means we have to step into it. It means we have to embrace the calling. It means we have to go. Right? It means we have to go. I love Matthew 28, the Great Commission. And the first word, go therefore and make disciples. Go. 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 Proverbs 29, 25 says this, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. It's not what others think about you. It's about who God says you are. And yet we become so obsessed with what people think. It's one of the greatest limiters in life and has stolen our identity. You know, idolatry, idolatry is putting anything in front of Jesus, putting anything ahead of Jesus. And we do that with people. We put people ahead of Jesus. People are too big in my life and God is too small. And you know what we're doing when we put people ahead of Jesus? We're asking them to meet a need in our life that they were never meant to meet. We're asking them to meet a need in our life that they were never meant to meet. We see this happen in marriages all of the time, right? We we talk about it frequently from this stage. that, that, That your husband, your wife is meant to be God's placement in your life, not God's replacement. Because when you place that husband, that wife in your life as God's replacement, you're expecting them to meet a need that they were never created, designed, or gifted to meet. You see that? And we do that with others. We do that with friendships. We do that with bosses. We do that with with kids. We do that with kids. We do that with kids. We, We idolize our kids instead of shepherd them and steward them. And so this idolatry, putting people ahead of Jesus. So how do we overcome this? How do we overcome this? Number one, focus on pleasing God instead of pleasing people. I pray, because I I see some of you just, just nodding, and many of you could give this message, I'm sure. It's pretty straightforward. There's nothing really surprising here focus on God focus on pleasing God instead of pleasing people Galatians chapter 1 verse 10 obviously I'm not trying to win the approval of people Paul talking here but of God if pleasing people were my goal I would not be Christ's servant listen to me church I can't please everyone but I can please God I can't please everyone but I can please God look around just, just, just real quick. Look around. Full house this morning. We've got some visitors. Morning. You know how hard it is to try to please all of you. 
is hard. Real talk. I said real talk. Some of you may not know what that meant. Confession. It's been a little bit. But I've tried. Why? Why? Right? When you read the Bible, Travis, you're smarter than that. You're better than that. Why would you try to please all these people? Because you're awesome. I mean, look at you. Right? And it's... And it's a, we have to shift our focus to an audience of one because you know what trying to please everyone looks like and he, and here's here's the reality i was thinking about this this past week when it came to this point we're coming up on the holiday season right Thanksgiving, some of you are already feeling the pressure, right? Some of you are already feeling the pressure of the in-laws are coming or the outlaws are coming or, you know, that that cousin's coming, you know, feeling the pressure, right? The reality is you can't please everyone. You can't please everyone. But you can please God. You can please God. Because if you try to please everyone, listen, from from my heart to yours, it leads to burnout. It leads to becoming a person that you never want to be and never imagined that you could be. So shift the focus to an audience of one. Shift the focus to an audience of one. Focus on pleasing God instead of pleasing people. Number two, Live from, get this, live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of people. Live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of people. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul is talking to the church at Thessalonica and he says, on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be trust, entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Listen to me, church. My worth isn't based on what you think of me, but about what God says I am. My worth is not based on what you think about me, but what God says I am. Who God says I am. Who God says I am. So who does God say you are? Who does God say you are? You ready for this? You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Number two, you're forgiven. Your sins are washed away. You're forgiven. Your sins are washed away. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Number three, you're more than conqueror through Christ. Romans 8.37, Know in Him all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. You're God's masterpiece. 
We've already read it this morning from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for beforehand that we should walk in them. You know what that says to me right there? Nothing surprises God. Nothing in your life surprises God. Right? And we can be like, like Gideon in that passage, right? Okay, you're coming to me, right? And you're saying all these things, but, but, but my fathers testified about all of this, and I'm not seeing any of that blessing. I'm not seeing any of that blessing. Nothing surprises God. Nothing surprises God. Keep going. You're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You're filled with the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Romans 8, chapter 11 says that, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. You are filled with the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. See, we talked about this a couple years ago when we did uh, a, a message on the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and, here, and here's something that, that we mentioned. How, how, many of you, how many of you have ever thought, right, when you get to heaven, I want to go to this person, I want to go to that person. How many of you have had that thought? I, I got a question for this person. I got some questions for Jonah. I'll just be straight up with you. I got some questions for Jonah. I've got some questions for Paul. Man, I want to talk to Paul. I hope that Paul and I can go to Starbucks or something for a couple hours. Because, man, I just, I just need to hear from Paul. Paul, you know who I really want to talk to? Peter and Thomas. I'd love to get those two guys together. Peter and Thomas and be like, hey, let me buy you a Starbucks because you've gotten a bad rap in the church for a long time. At least you asked questions that everybody else was probably thinking and at least you got out of the stinking boat, Peter. I mean, good job, man. Boldness. High five to you, bro. Um, but you know the reality that that's going to be? Especially with Jonah, Old Testament, Moses. Moses, what was it like to lead those Israelites? How frustrated did you get? How many times did you want to just take that rod and knock somebody up the head with it? Right? They're going to run to us. I believe when we step into heaven, Jonah's going to run up to Josh Backman and be like, Hey, Josh, what was it like? What was it like to have the Holy Spirit living inside of you every single day? What was that like, man? What was it like? What was it like, Dave and Jane, to have the Holy Spirit living inside of you every day? Because they didn't get that. The Holy Spirit came. Acts chapter 2 descended like a dove. Acts chapter 2, right? And so they, they didn't get that, right? They hoped for that. They longed for that. They lived for that. And yet... We have access to the Holy Spirit. Every, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Isn't that awesome? We need that to sink in for just a moment. Because you want to talk about changing perspective, transforming identity. You have the Holy Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead living in you. Where's my iPad? Okay. Got to keep going. Uh, next one. Uh, I've lost count. You are a joint heir with Jesus. Whew. You are a joint heir 
with Jesus. Look at Romans 8, 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Fellow heirs with Christ Jesus. You're Christ's ambassador. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. You're God's ambassador. You're Christ's ambassador. Next one. You are the righteousness of God in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Very next verse. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might in Him become the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God in Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Jesus. Lastly, you're greatly loved by God. Romans chapter 1, verse 7. Romans chapter 1, verse 7. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. You are greatly loved by God. Do you have that whole list up there? Look at who you are. I don't know about you, but I see that right there. And a couple of things as we close and walk into communion. I see that right there, and the first thing I think is, hmm, I don't feel like that. I don't always feel like that. But that's who I am. The second thing that I said to myself after seeing that list for the first time was, I may not always feel like that, but that's who God says I am. And here's the reality with that. That is not something I earn. Now hear, hear me church. Hear me. Because this is, this is the last thing we've got to talk about this morning. This is not something that you earn. This is something that was already bought for you on the cross of Jesus. That when we say yes to Jesus, when we embrace Jesus into our lives, these are the things that we become. A new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. It doesn't matter what that person thinks of you, what that person says of you. It doesn't matter. They're going to think those things. They're going to say those things. Right? You are forgiven. And your sins are washed away. Listen to me. You didn't earn that. You didn't earn that. But Jesus bore your sin on the cross so that you could be forgiven, so that you could have fellowship with the Father and be a co heir 
with Jesus. You're more than conqueror through Christ. I love that one. I love that one. More than conqueror. You know the, 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 the Greek word for more than conqueror? Hoopernikahu. Okay? You, and, and, and I don't think it's pronounced that way, okay? But, but I like to pronounce it that way. Hoopernikahu. Right? Because whenever I'm feeling defeated, whenever I'm feeling like there's something in front of me that I just cannot overcome... Small or large, there's something in front of me. I was hooking my plow up this past week. You want to talk about depressing. I was hooking my plow up this past week, and man, it was so hard because it sunk into the ground over the winter. Some of you experienced plow guys, you need to tell me because this is the second year in a row I've almost thrown my back out trying to get my plow raised up enough to get back onto the truck. We'll have that conversation later, right? But I was thinking out there in the middle of the rain on uh, whatever day it was raining and they were calling for snow, and praise the Lord it didn't snow. Um, maybe we can keep that for the next four five months um all right keep those prayers up right i was thinking okay i'm a hooper i'm a hooper some of you tomorrow morning when you walk into work i'm a hooper i'm a more than conqueror i'm a hooper right and say that to somebody and they'll just look at you really funny it's great right but you didn't earn that you didn't earn that jesus bought it for you that's the gift It's who you already are. You're God's masterpiece. You're the light of the world. You're filled with the same spirit that raised Jesus. We talked about that. You're joint heir with Jesus. You're Christ's ambassador. You know what I love about from masterpiece to ambassador? Listen, from masterpiece to ambassador, it shows our responsibility as as His people. It shows that we have responsibility. You're a masterpiece. You're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to produce fruit. We talked about that a few weeks ago, right? You're filled with the same Spirit. You're the light of this world. We've got to light some things up in this world, right? Like this false identity that people are buying into and what everybody else is saying about them. You're a joint heir with Jesus. You're filled with the same Spirit. You're the ambassador for Christ. God making His appeal. You're the righteousness of God in Jesus. He bought you. No return policy on your life. He bought you. You are greatly loved by God. You are greatly loved by God. You are greatly loved by God. My little girl is sitting right here. And I didn't I didn't tell her in advance on purpose. Y'all ready for this? Bria. Does it always feel like I love you? You can answer honestly. No. But do you know I always love you? Yeah. Right? (laughs) Come here. No, come here. Stand up. Listen. As children of God, trust the love of the Father. In the same way, right, when we have parents, we've all got parents, doesn't always feel like Father loves us. 
but Father loves us. Greatly loved by God. You couldn't wait to sit down. (laughs) Greatly loved by God. That's who you are. You're not going to find that on Facebook. You're not going to find that list in friendships. No friend, no husband, no wife, no child, no coach, no pastor, no parishioner, Nobody can hold up under that list. But that's who God says you are. And He did it in Jesus. So as we walk into communion this morning, you can't please everyone, but you can please God.